This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning, it's John Moore. This is The Breakfast Wrap for Monday, February 27th. In terms of weather, we've got another storm coming our way. Not major accumulation, but the afternoon commute could be an issue. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, there's a water main break at Victoria Park and Shepherd East, which could make for a messy commute in that area. Number two, more wintry weather is heading our way. Number three, Toronto's new police chief is defending the controversial new superintendent. Number four, Dilbert cartoonist will vanish from newspaper funny pages. And number five, beloved Canadian actor Gordon Pinson dies. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Happy Monday to you. It's a nice little riff to start our day, but I think people, regular listeners will know it's one of my favorite opening riffs of, uh, of all time. Uh, hope you had a good weekend. Whenever people ask me, what are my plans for the weekend? I always say, I have no plans. That's my plan. And when people ask me on Monday, what did you do for the weekend? I recall close to nothing. But it was, uh, there was some virtual golf, which was, uh, I, I love the golf simulators. When, I, when I'm playing on a golf simulator, if you're not familiar with them, they're, they're extraordinary. I mean, they, you know, recreate the experience minus the long walk and the, uh, and the cart person with the beer. But I know that these simulators are really recreating the golf experience because I'm as crappy on a golf simulator as I am on a real golf course. And then the only other thing that uh, dominated the weekend was uh, watching the Blue Jays. Yes, they lost, but they were looking good. Uh, one of the things we'll talk about on the show today is the introduction of this countdown clock, which uh, is designed to and is working so far, but it's being introduced in spring training. And it's going to become a part of, uh, you know, general play this season. And the whole idea is that the pitcher can't goof around, but the batter can't goof around either. And so there's a countdown clock and depending on the circumstances is 15 or 20 seconds, but they've got to keep the ball in play. I always remember somebody once put a stopwatch to a baseball game and they calculated whenever there was actually something happening. So the ball was traveling or somebody was running, um, you know, they were in play. It wasn't just sort of the pitcher staring down the batter or vice versa. And they said there was about three and a half minutes of action in an entire baseball game. But already, baseball games, which were averaging last season at three, three and a half hours, uh, spring games that are happening with this new clock are, are clocking in at like 2.39. So, um, you know, there's that. And uh, then what else was there? I was watching golf. That was about it. So, uh, new stories this morning. It's a bit of a dog's breakfast, actually, because there's an almost unconscious theme, I guess, to the show of a lot of stuff that I was tracking through the weekend. And there was a lot of stuff about people running afoul of sensibilities, I guess we could say. So we have the guy who created Dilbert, the cartoon, the comic strip, a guy who has been sort of Jamie Sallet worthy nuts for a good long time. But his latest rant has resulted in the fact that pretty well every newspaper in North America is going to drop his column. Uh, so there's that. Then there's um, 
you know, three conservative MPs, three Canadian conservative MPs who met with a German parliamentarian who is a notorious figure. And they claim they didn't know who she was. No, sorry. You met with her because of who she is. I have been on the receiving end of, I can't tell you how many emails and uh, urgent injunctions on social media. Take a look at this lady. She tells the truth. Mostly because certain cohorts of Canadians can never be more excited than to have a foreigner denounce their prime minister. And in this case, this woman stood up in the German parliament, and actually not the German parliament, European parliament. She's a well-known crank, and she tore Justin Trudeau down. And for that, of course, some Canadian conservatives will be eternally grateful. Um, and then, you know, we get into Justin Trudeau. This isn't necessarily on the same page entirely, but it's about running afoul of political sensibilities. Justin Trudeau saying, we do not need an inquiry into Chinese meddling in the last round of Canadian elections. And I think he's wrong because I do think we need an inquiry because it is not just about the Chinese trying to manipulate the Canadian electoral process. It's about a lot of foreign players trying to manipulate things and using quite frequently uh, ethnic media and uh, other language media and Facebook and Instagram and other means of reaching people somewhat covertly. Because if you are running an ad in a Chinese language newspaper in a writing that is 75% Chinese, then it doesn't necessarily register beyond that particular community, but it has a huge impact. And if you're telling lies to uh, a given ethnic community, then your ability to manipulate the election process is, uh, is pretty obvious. Another story today will be the weather. And let me grab the, the actual forecast because it just feels like we need to get to the finish line here. We had the storm last week, which wasn't the end of the world, but it definitely made things fairly miserable for a short period of time. And now we're going to get not walloped, because honestly, we're not looking at the hugest accumulation. Looks like snowfall totals between 5 and 10 centimeters. But the issue would be, once again, that this is probably going to start during the afternoon drive home and continue into the evening. And if we're lucky, like we were last week, then by the morning hours, I know we were canceling some schools and canceling some bus services, but for the most part, the plows had a chance to get on top of things, and the morning commute wasn't a nightmare. Mind you, one thing I did notice on my way home, and then through the day, was it seemed like some streets had never even been touched. And I don't know if the thinking was, let's just wait for enough traffic to melt this stuff off. Uh, I found sidewalks were messy, uh, windrows were uh, problematic, and streets not even just like my street, going home on Avenue Road, and it was still slushy and slippery and greasy. So uh, we'll keep our eyes on the weather from a weather perspective and from a traffic desk perspective through the day, and uh, timing is going to be the big issue. Okay, let's say good morning to News Talk 1010's John Moore for what Toronto's talking about. Good morning, John. Hope you had a great weekend. Uh, first and foremost, uh, let's uh, talk about what people need to know. There are reports of a water main break. I think it's in Scarborough near Victoria Park in Shepherd. 
It is. Victoria Park and Shepherd Avenue East. This is a water main break. We've actually done pretty well this year, mostly because we haven't had these huge temperature fluctuations. So even though we're in that time of year where you almost have one break a day, we've done fairly well. I'll leave it to Lisa Morales to report on the traffic implications, but police and water repair crews have been on the scene for a couple of hours now. Okay, and speaking of things breaking, John, there's a condo building <laughs> under construction in Welland that has collapsed for the second time in over a week, and this thing's supposed to open next year, and it's already sold out. We were reporting on this last Tuesday, actually, after the long weekend, because it struck us as kind of weird that nobody had really remarked on the fact that there was a collapse within a condo project in Welland under construction. Now it's happened again. The builders insist that's perfectly normal because mm. they're still trying to figure out how to address the first collapse. But you're right. It's a $55 million development. It's uh, 200 units. It's sold out, and it's supposed to be ready uh, next year. But one has to wonder if maybe this whole project is doomed. Yeah, that's scary, especially for uh, residents nearby uh, waking up to the sound of that noise uh, collapsing. All right, and next up, you know, continuing with the condo drama, I should say. Luckily, this person is okay, uh, but the video over the weekend showing a man dangling from a balcony to escape a Toronto high-rise fire is really out of Mission Impossible. This is a place called West Hill Apartments on Lawrence Avenue near Kingston Road around 4 p.m. Saturday. The alarm was sounded. And yes, this is amateur video from bystanders that captures a man who appears to smash through some, uh, some wire mesh around the balcony and then ends up dangling, dangling mm -hmm. off of this fifth floor balcony. He's okay. One resident was killed in that fire and the investigation continues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's almost a lesson to always check your balcony because some balconies, they don't have that railing. It's just a huge slab of concrete, and that would have made it a lot more difficult to, to hold on to. So uh, glad he's okay, but unfortunately, one person has passed from that. Um, and turning to this now, John, we talked about it last week, the promotion of this uh, police officer who was accused of killing two black men and beating a third back in the 90s. And now Toronto Police Chief Myron Demkew is standing by the promotion of Officer Rick Shanks. I have a feeling that this debate may continue for a while. Myron Demke was giving a press conference. It was unrelated to the promotion of Superintendent Rick Shank, which it's worth noting actually happened two years ago. It's only now that the alarm has been sounded by some activists. But Myron Demke says, listen, this was 30 years ago, and uh, he has been an exemplary officer since. I have a feeling it's going to continue to simmer as a controversy for a while. Yeah, absolutely. City Councilor Jamal Myers, uh, you know, trying to ask questions about this. Uh, and finally, first it was Raul Dahl, uh, John, uh, having his text revised to make it a little more PC, I should say. And now James Bond novels are edited to remove some uh, racist or controversial content. I guess it's not a surprise to think that it has been 70 years since the first James Bond novel was published. However, you're right. They are getting a re-edit. I don't think people are going to notice because it's not exactly. I mean, they're great books, but it's mm -hmm. not part of the literary canon necessarily. <laughs> right. Uh, but for example, there's an original passage that read, Bond could hear the audience panting and grunting like pigs at the trough. He felt mm -hmm. his own hands gripping the tablecloth. His mouth was dry. That's been revised to, Bond could sense the electric tension in the room. So <laughs> Oh, my gosh. They're taking an awful lot of the stuff out. They're just redlining it. Yeah. Okay. I really don't see how pigs grunting. That gave me a much more visceral experience than just tension. <laughs> <laughs> All right. John, thank you so much. Have a great show. We'll chat with you again tomorrow. Take care.
It's our friend Jennifer Shang over at uh, CP24. More on these changes to Bond a little later on. And I'm not a big fan of, of re-editing things. I mean, there's always been this great debate about uh, Merchant of Venice, you know, Shakespeare, and whether or not it's anti-Semitic. Uh, Roald Dahl, as Jennifer was observing, is going through a major rewrite. I just figure, you know, these things are of their times. And, you know, maybe you could put in warnings or something like that. I mean, if you look at Tintin, the famous... Uh, animated um, cartoon adventures of a Belgian world explorer. And honestly, Tintin is full of some really awful um, stereotypes of particularly Asians and Africans. But that is of the time. So just leave it in. As for Bond, they're trying to get on top of sexism, racism, um, he used the N-word on frequent occasions, but again, that's just so did, um, you know, Mark Twain. It's 524, and in just a moment, we'll come back with the half-hour headlines, and you may have noticed Ashley Legasic is back in our newsroom after uh, having been on a mat leave, so it's wonderful to have her back. And then we'll continue to update the traffic situation, both now and then through the day as another storm system comes our way. It's not going to be one of the biggest storms ever, but it's enough to gum up the works. 528 on a Monday morning. Sort of feel like we're holding this show together with bailing water and uh, scotch tape. But uh, duct tape. It just, it's, duct tape. This is Canada, red green. You know, it's just one of those days, I have to say, that did not start well. It started early because I woke up way ahead of schedule. Uh, but then I left half of my notes at home. I left my cell phone in the car. So, and the cell phone is kind of instrumental to running the first half of the, uh, or the first half hour, because that's how we do CP24. And so, yes, Joe and I have, uh, and Nick to a certain extent, have been uh, struggling to hold it all together. But I, I think we've, we've made it through the first half hour. So I guess we're going to make it to nine o'clock. Uh, one of the things that happened over the weekend was uh, Justin Trudeau shouting down uh, Heckler. And we don't have enough time to play it right now, Nick. So we'll just tease everybody and tell them we'll play it in the next half hour. But you know what? Hecklers, and I have a degree of personal experience with this because I worked in a comedy club or many comedy clubs for a good 20 years. Hecklers always think they're winning and they never do. Because first of all, comedians are ready for hecklers. And politicians, if you're going to try to shout down Justin Trudeau at a pro-Ukraine rally over vaccines, then you're going to get the gears and you're going to lose. And I do love that everybody's a conspiracy theorist these days. And somebody on Twitter was insisting, ah, oh, he was a plant. No, he was not a plant. He's well known to be in the company of leading conservatives and convoy activists and people like that. So I know you'd like to imagine that if Justin Trudeau wins a match against a heckler, that the whole thing was staged just to make Justin Trudeau look good. But that's not what happened. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. All right, this Clydesdale wagon of fun just keeps rolling on. So as mentioned, we got some weather coming our way. And uh, we'll probably be talking. Do we have uh, Bill Coulter booked already, uh, Joe Cristiano? Or I'm working on it, but I'm uh, sure it should come together. He's an affable fellow. 
Uh, he and I were actually at a benefit on Friday night for the burn unit at the hospital for sick kids. And uh, it was a glittery affair. I don't, I don't get out much. So it was kind of fun. And one of the things I learned if I was, I wasn't taking notes, but if memory serves from some of the presentations that were made on Friday night at that benefit, I think the uh, sick kids burn unit brings in uh, a, ch a kid almost every single day. And these are kids who have been uh, burned by uh, flame, quite frequently by hot water. And my brother actually knocked over a coffee urn when he was uh, a toddler and still has uh, burn scars from that. It's all too common because kids are curious and they don't get the danger. And I guess sometimes maybe we forget how much we are around uh, sources of heat that to a kid who doesn't know any better are, are an incredible danger. So anyway, it was a lot of fun to be out there and uh, I was Bill's plus one. So I guess he owes me, he'll do some weather on our show today. Uh, but yeah, the, the big deal is when does it start? And it looks like it's gonna be following the same profile basically as the system we had last Thursday into Friday. So arriving in time to mess up the afternoon drive home and send people sideways, probably in my neighborhood anyway, that one of the great crunch points is the hill that climbs on Avenue and Young toward St. Clair. And then you get to the hill that climbs most of the north-south routes toward the 401. Um, so yeah, there are various junctures like that where if you don't have the right tires on, then you can end up in some pretty serious trouble. And one of the issues that always drives me crazy anyway about that sort of a situation is, you know, I got all-wheel drive, I spent money getting winter tires. I've got some pretty good traction, but that doesn't count for anything if the guy in front of you didn't bother to do that or is driving on bald tires. So I was mentioning um, all kinds of controversy this weekend, and let's. Well, a lot of this stuff is on the agenda for the roundtables, and definitely with our political pundit at six twenty on the morning brief. It's going to be Scott Reed, as it always is on Monday. Um, but for example, you got the three conservative MPs who met with a European parliamentarian named Christine Anderson. And they took pictures, they had dinner, they had a wonderful time, and then everybody pointed out that she's kind of a global crank and fairly well known for her hard right views. And then the MPs all started issuing statements saying, well, we didn't know who she was. Nonsense. Everybody knows who she was. You sought her out. You met with her because of who she is, Leslie Lewis. And then Leslie Lewis did one of those great pirouette-style whataboutisms and said, I got nothing to learn from blackface Justin Trudeau. Okay, the fact that Justin Trudeau did blackface makes him an idiot. The fact that you met with Christine Anderson makes you also an idiot. Pierre Polyev condemned Anderson's politics as vile. So lest anybody want to rush to the fence of these three MPs and say, there's nothing wrong with... No, no, no. The leader has already said there is plenty wrong with her. He called her politics vile. But intriguingly, she claims to have spent time talking with Pierre Polyev in the past. He says he's never spoken with her at all. 
So either she has the wrong impression or he's lying. But uh, any way you slice this, it doesn't play well for a party that is constantly trying to insist that it is not rife with hard right uh, politicians. And Leslie Lewis, you know, I just, I, I don't know what the appeal is because the party seems to love making her part of its public face when in fact she has for the most part been the sort of hard right individual the Canadians want nothing to do with. So Justin Trudeau making a speech at a solidarity march for Ukraine when somebody tried to yell at him from the crowd about vaccines and him being a tyrant and all of that stuff. Ukrainians woke up to the horror of war in their... Hey, sir, I think Ukrainians can tell you a little bit about freedom and liberty, so why don't you settle down? This is a night for them, not for you. This is a night for Ukrainians not for you. If you want to stand and cheer with Ukraine, do that. You want to wave that Ukrainian flag, please do. But let people celebrate that Ukraine is still standing and Canada stands with it. So, uh, Justin Trudeau's always ready for a heckler. I mean, Justin Trudeau's ready for pretty well anything. And people are foolish to open that door and allow him to walk through it. You know, a story I've told on the, on the show before would be from a couple of election cycles ago where one of the leaders' debates, this is back, I guess, in 2015 because Justin Trudeau was running against Stephen Harper and Jack Layton. And it was at Roy Thompson Hall. It was part of the Monk debates. And Justin Trudeau had prepared this whole sort of enraged monologue about how proud he is to be the son of his father and don't you ever tell me that I should be ashamed of that. And apropos of close to nothing, because Jack Layton merely referenced deficits back in the 1970s. And next thing you know, Justin Trudeau went on this uh, rant about his father and how he's never going to be ashamed. He's never going to apologize. Got a huge round of applause. And the whole thing had been prepared for just any any random mention of Pierre Trudeau. And that was going to precipitate that. So, of course, Justin Trudeau's ready for something like some convoy protester, anti-vaxxer guy trying to spoil a pro-Ukrainian rally. And I guess that's one of the problems with that particular movement. They can never read the room. Meanwhile, Justin Trudeau is certainly facing um, a lot of issues when it comes to Chinese meddling in the election. And we're going to talk with Robert Fife because he's been leading the charge for the Globe and Mail on this particular file about how the Chinese meddled with the 2019 and 2021 elections. Justin Trudeau is so far declining to launch an investigation. There will be an investigation, just not sort of a judicial inquiry, but there will be a parliamentary committee that'll look into it. But of course, that committee is not controlled really because it's a minority parliament, but the majority composition of it will be liberal MPs. And uh, an awful lot of people, even uh, leading liberals, are saying that there should be an inquiry into this. Then we get into um, the, the whole weekend seemed to be about political incorrectness, 
revising old books like Roald Dahl and now James Bond, and then, you know, anti-vaxxers uh, mouthing off and alt-right conservatives getting themselves into trouble, including the guy who created Dilbert, who as of today is being dropped from an overwhelming majority of the papers that used to carry his cartoons. But uh, Woody Harrelson kind of going a little loco on uh, Saturday Night Live, talking about big pharma and um, uh, vaccines and the lockdowns and masking and all that sort of thing. Do we have that audio? Here we go. So the movie goes like this. The biggest drug cartels in the world get together and buy up all the media and all the politicians and force all the people in the world to stay locked in their homes and people can only come out if they take the cartel's drugs and keep taking them over and over. I threw the script away. I mean, who is gonna believe that crazy idea being forced to do drugs? I do that voluntarily all day long. All right, so that was, that was the windup of an otherwise entertaining uh, monologue. And Woody Harrelson's one of those artists who uh, actually memorizes his lines, so he was a pretty good contributor on SNL. But it was a little wacky beginning to the night. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. So you probably want to know a little bit more if you haven't already come across the story about the creator of Dilbert and why he's being dropped from newspapers. I love how people always say that's why I'm being canceled. No, people are declining to do business with you. That is the height of free market capitalism. Scott Adams is being denounced as racist, hateful, and discriminatory. He was talking about a report from the Rasmussen Polling Company that asked people if they agreed with the statement, it's okay to be white. And most people agreed. I mean, it's a bogus question anyway. Uh, but Adams did note that 26% of black respondents disagreed, and then others weren't sure. So he said, blacks are members of a hate group. Then he said they were a racist hate group and said he would no longer help black Americans. I'm not sure how you were helping them in the first place. Uh, based on the current way things are going, he said, the best advice I would give to white people is to get the hell away from black people. Well, I can't see anything that would get people upset about that. So now newspapers are just saying, listen, dude, you've kind of been a wingnut for a good long time, and he has. Um, I mean, he's beyond a a Trumper. And so they're merely going to drop the cartoon moving forward. And even he's admitted, he says, yeah, you know, I've blown up my whole business model and I'm, I'm not going to make any money moving forward. But I'd imagine he's got plenty of millions in the bank, so he'll be just fine. Rosie DeMano writes an interesting column in the Toronto Star that um, riffs on something that I was saying in a... Um, a forum recently. Actually, I think I said it on Friday on our show. I was talking about Hanlon's point. And I was saying that Toronto almost never comes up with something that works or is pleasant that it doesn't want to blow up. And that includes our architecture. It includes something like the idea of creating a permanent concert venue or performance venue at Hanlon's point. There are all sorts of things that are just fine about this town. And then we go in and we start meddling with it and we wreck it. And so that's kind of the theme of Rosie DeMano's column. The headline is, Felled Osgoodhall Trees are a reminder of Toronto's low regard for history 
and beauty. She writes heart pangs for the tree-denuded western quadrant of the elegant Osgood Hall property are quickly replaced by yuck over how the site will look once Metrolinx builds its architecturally drab station at the corner of Queen and University. Yet another reminder that Toronto has low regard for history or beauty. And that's one of the unfortunate aspects of how this debate has been framed. It's not just about a couple of trees. It's about the fact that we don't think, rethink, readdress, then rethink again a lot of the plans that we have. So, for example, is it absolutely necessary that the new station for the Ontario line be situated where we have a bunch of old trees and on a property that is a very much a part of Toronto's heritage and history. Could we not have put that station, oh, I don't know, like maybe as part of the opera house across the street? Or, as Rosie DeMano points out, Campbell House, which is an historic house on the northwest corner of University and Queen, wasn't actually built there. It was moved to that site. So we could actually pick it up and move it somewhere else and then put the new subway station there. But no, it ends up devolving into this debate about tree huggers and anti-progress and nimbyism. It's not, I, you know, I've talked enough probably about what's going on in my neighborhood where I can't tell you how many buildings are under demolition order. And not all new stuff is progress. Greatest example of this is told in one of my favorite chapters of a Ken Burns, actually, I think it's his brother, but it's a Burns documentary about the history of New York, which I totally recommend to you. It's an amazing documentary series. It's like 16 hours long, but it's amazing. And it's narrated by David Ogden Steers, the guy who played Charles Winchester III in MASH. And it's all about Jane Jacobs going head-to-head and toe-to-toe with Robert Moses, the guy who was in charge of developing New York. And Robert Moses believed in highways to the point where he was willing to demolish half of New York in order to create highways. And when she said no, he mocked her as the little old lady on the bicycle. Well, the little old lady ultimately triumphed and the expressway that would have demolished Greenwich Village was never built. And Robert Moses was retired. And so not all progress is always good and not all opposition to new things is nimbyism. That's The Breakfast Wrap. Thanks a lot for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.